Hi friends and welcome back to another episode of Open House, a fresh, fun and real podcast where I, Louise Rumble, invite you inside the therapy room with me to learn from some of the very best psychologists, therapists and sex and intimacy coaches that I have found. No topic is off the table, no question too juicy and no experience too shameful. At Open House, everyone is welcome. And we're on a mission to develop a new mental health experience for all because we believe that true happiness is coming home to yourself under the layers and layers of you that society has told you to be. As ever, please remember that this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and you should always seek professional medical help when necessary. Now, let's get into it and I'll see you on the other side. Hello, my angels. It's me. I am back with a life update episode. Now, if you follow me on Instagram, you'll know that I've already recorded this episode. And I did so with the microphone off. So I spent like two hours of my time of my life recording something that was totally redundant, which is annoying because every hour counts. Sound a bit like Molly May there, don't I? <laughs> oh, Molly May and Bambi. Also, I am not surprised that Molly May named her child Bambi. Is anyone else? I feel like if you follow Australian influencers, TikTok influencers, there are a couple of very cute Bambis flying around and not surprised by it, if I'm honest. Does anyone care what I think? Probably not. But for what it's worth, I think it's cute. But I personally am into very weird names. Like if I have kids, I want them to have like weird names and like five of them not five kids but like five names each because I have four and I honestly wish my parents had just like gone a little bit further and just given me five my brother is very traditional so he's gonna have like James Jack Henry Rumble and I'm probably gonna have like Savannah Sophia Banana Shamana Azalea something like that and my family's gonna be like cool nice to meet you baby banana so today I'm going to be redoing the life update episode. I'm a little bit grumpy. It's Friday at 5 p.m. I'm tired. I've done a lot of work this week. I've done a lot of eating this week and I have a lot of work coming up in the next few weeks. But I'm going to try and park the little bit of a grump and I'm going to take you back over the last two months of what's been going on in my life as well as talking to you about Tulum. Do I actually like living there? Am I going to go back? How it has been being back in London? What I've been going through over the Christmas period? Work, open house, daddy issues and so much more. So the one thing that I can promise you is that my life is never boring. And I honestly, I swear like once a week, I say to my boyfriend, like, it just seems to be so easy for everyone else. And honestly, it does. So yeah, there there might be a bit of moaning today and not the good kind of moaning. I'm just, there might be a bit of moaning, but I'm going to share my truth and my reality. And thank you in advance for holding space for me and holding space for the fact that we all have different realities and different things impact us all differently. So you might be listening to this thinking, bitch, stop moaning. But I think it's always really important to acknowledge the fact that I feel like hindsight minimizes everything. So if you tell a story to someone after it's happened or even during, I feel like it's hard for them to ever truly understand how it impacted you or what hurt or how it feels like physically in your body because I feel like when we minimize an experience into words it never sounds as bad as it feels anyway I just thought that was an interesting point because if you look back at like deeply painful or traumatic or difficult instances the words kind of never do them justice and so sometimes I wonder if that's why I don't share a lot on these life updates because when something happens I really feel it and it like really knocks me off and I'm really upset but then when I try and talk about it in words it sounds like I'm just like sat here 
moaning. And I'm sure that happens to so many of us, which is why we think like, oh, I should tell someone what happened. But then you're like, oh, no, like, you know, by the time you've put it into words, it's kind of feels like you're making a big deal out of nothing. But if we don't share our truth, then we provoke this entire cycle of suppression all over the world today where we think we have nothing to moan about or complain about. Oh, nearly knocked the microphone over. So we just like ignore, distract, suppress and keep moving. And then we repeat these generational cycles and we're not doing that anymore. So yeah, thank you for listening to my truth today. I also just keep checking that I turn the microphone on because I'm literally so scared. I'm going to do it again. Okay, first up. So Tulum, London, what was going on, why I'm here and when I'm going back. So I was in Tulum at the back end of last year with my boyfriend who is Mexican and for anyone that's new I met him last year in like March on a holiday and then I guess it was very much not in my plan at that point in my life to move to any other country because I have spent a lot of time in my life traveling around I've lived in Dubai I've lived in New York I've lived in LA I've lived in other places as well And I feel like I was getting to this point where I was finally starting to get ready to put my roots down and stay in one place, which is why I got a dog. Yep. And so falling in love with a Mexican man was never, ever on the cards. But the truth is, is love happens and it's so amazing. And, you know, you have to be open to these things. And I also believe that everything happens for a reason and you need to let them pan out in the way that they are meant to. Yeah, I basically now live between London and Tulum. So how was my trip last time? Because I didn't share a lot. Now, first of all, I had dengue fever, which obviously was not great. And most people in the UK don't even know what it is. I didn't know what it was when I got it. But since being back, I had dinner. Oh my God, my dog is humping her bed. She is obviously very excited. Anyway, since I came back, I had lunch, dinner with my mum's friend, who's a nurse, she told me that one of her friend's sons died from dengue fever. So when I've been like joking about the fact that I nearly died, like I've realized that I'm not actually joking and it was actually inherently and incredibly traumatic. So that wasn't good. And I was going through my camera roll the other day and I found this picture of me on the back of a moped going to hospital. I have never see anything like it I mean the fact the fact that I was on the back of a moped looking like that I literally couldn't even hold my head up oh my god it was not good anyway so that kind of threw me off and I think it put me on the back foot because it was so traumatic and the medical care was so bad and I was so far away from my parents and I couldn't get on a plane to go home because I was basically told like you cannot go out in public because you don't have an immune system so it's going to be horrendous so the whole thing was just not good. So I feel like that put me on the back foot when I went back with a pretty positive attitude. I was like, I can't wait to be back. I can't wait to be back with my boyfriend. I'm really going to make the most of this trip. And then bam, literally like 10 days, just as I was like getting over the jet lag, 10 days in, it was like, bam, motherfucker, which obviously wasn't great. And that was like at least three weeks of suffering with dengue and then kind of recovering. And actually, so my mental health has been pretty good the last two weeks. But before that, over the Christmas period and January, I would say it hasn't been great. And there's actually a lot of studies between dengue fever and depression. So I definitely think that it's potentially impacted me a little bit. And I think this is actually really interesting. And we've been talking about it in the house as well, which is our community area, which is how we imagine that depression, because like what we're taught about it is like, oh, you can't move, you can't do anything, you can't eat, like you really can't function. But I think the truth today is that so many of us function with depression and anxiety that we actually often 
aren't really aware of the truth of what is going on. So yeah, I'm not sure if I've just been emotional because of some of the stuff that I'm going to talk about in today's episode. And that means everything's kind of been heightened. Or if actually I have been a bit depressed because when I wake up in the morning, that is the worst time for me. I feel like so lethargic and heavy and like sad. And I've really worked out how to get over that. I'm going to share that in today's episode as well. So I'm managing it which is great, but I definitely think that dengue potentially has had an impact on my mental health or living between two places has had an impact on my mental health. And I'm going to get into why that might be. It's also inspired me that I really want to cover more like depression and anxiety on the pod in 2023. I never know what year it is. That is one thing about me. I never know what the year is. It's honestly bad. If I go to like fill in a form, I have to like ask the dentist, like, what's the year? And they always laugh. And I'm like, no, I'm actually not joking. Like, is it 2020? Like, is it 2024? Like, I honestly don't know. I have a mind blank. It is not normal. But let's start with the good things about being in Tulum. Naturally, my boyfriend, he's basically the only reason that I'm there. And often people ask me, would you be there if he wasn't there? And the answer is no. Being able to be with him and just experience this like incredibly stable, incredibly healthy, incredibly kind, loving, respectful relationship where I never look at his location and if I wake up and I haven't had a message from him, like I don't have an anxious attachment meltdown. And it's just been a very healing experience for me, learning to love someone that is kind and high value and respectful and stable. And this has been so healthy for me, like experiencing it without finding it boring if that makes sense and don't get me wrong like there are sometimes that I want to cause a fucking riot I literally want to throw my toys out the pram I want to go and like wink at the guy across the road from me I want to do x y and z but the truth is is like I have done none of those things because now with this understanding of like why some of us are wired that our attachment trauma basically drives us towards specific types of people that are toxic and unhealthy which then makes the healthy people feel unfamiliar when you have that understanding, you can just identify the behaviors when they arise and you can feel them and you can like watch them as a third party rather than actually creating a riot, which is what I used to do all the time. Anyway, so he is there and he is amazing. Now, what else is good? I also appreciate that this might just be maybe one of the last times in my life that I can sort of jump around and be free and do whatever I want. Because if one day I have a family, obviously that gets more difficult and you probably need to be in one place. So I am appreciating those moments. Um, like I will literally some days be like, oh my God, like I am literally sitting under a palm tree in 32 degree heat eating tacos. And that's pretty cool. Obviously the weather is good. The sunshine is amazing. The beach is amazing. Although I will say that everyone's like, oh my God, you live in paradise. Oh my God, you live in paradise. I actually don't because the way that Tulum works is like you have the beach. The whole beach is like hotels basically. So you can never live on the beach. Like no one lives on the beach unless you are like, I actually just don't know anyone that lives on the beach. So if you're a local, you live inland, like 20 minute drive on a moped, which is fun um, unless you're going to get pulled over by the police or fall off your moped or you know any of those other potentially stressful things that you have to deal with the roads are pretty effing crazy there but yeah so you don't live like on the beach so I don't have that dreamy like oh roll out of bed like put my feet on the sand like rise with the earth also I have never rised with the earth that is bad grammar I have never risen with the earth I literally 
could not get up before 7am like if you paid me I find it so hard and honestly I just don't think I could ever be a morning person I just can't do it I used to do it in London when I would like get up at 5 30 and be on a spinning bike at 6 30 but I was just a different life to where I am now and I'm kind of going into this like slower season of life which I'm going to talk about today I've just grabbed my purple sharpie and I'm going to write it down slower season of life so yeah you live in land and if I'm honest, I'm going to blame my boyfriend for this, but there is a lot of construction in Tulum. It's actually crazy. It's also quite sad. They are ripping the jungle down totally, just building, 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 which I know is just life today. Also, when I said I blame my boyfriend, I don't blame my boyfriend for the deforestation of Tulum. I blame my boyfriend for the fact that when he went to look at the apartment when I was in London, he chose an apartment that was next to literally one of Tulum's biggest construction sites without thinking about it or mentioning it, or telling me. So yeah, you can imagine what he was on the receiving end of for like the first two days. But yeah, there's a lot of construction. I will be like working or trying to record a podcast and the noise is insane. So that can be quite stressful. The other thing is what also can be quite stressful is I left my apartment when I was there last time and there was a guy from the construction site that had broken into my building and he was like so sweaty and like covered in dust and was just like, hiding in the pitch black corridor outside my apartment and I was like uh what are you doing and he just literally ran off and I was like oh so yeah that's not great okay so what else is good um I mean the food is good like the food is really good but it's incredibly expensive like the prices in Tulum are literally a sick joke so it's not I mean, you can get like $2 tacos, which we do do every so often, but our favourite restaurants are definitely like London, LA, New York prices, 100%. Okay, what else? What else? What else do I love about living in Tulum? Uh, I mean, see, I think one of the problems here is you can kind of feel like I'm pulling at straws already in the good list, which isn't great. And anyone listening to this that lives in Tulum, I know you're going to be triggered by this. People of Tulum get very triggered if you are not in love with Tulum. And I am not in love with Tulum. So if that is you, me not liking Tulum isn't offensive. You know, I'm not saying I don't like you. I'm just saying I don't really love this place in the way that some of you do. And I'm so happy that you do. Like, I can't wait to find my place that's like that, like that the love that people have for Tulum, because I don't have that love for Tulum. Someone also told me that if you're rude about Tulum, she punishes you. And that someone they knew basically got hit by a car and went to the police station after she said she didn't like Tulum. So yeah, if something bad happens, blame Tulum. But the food is pretty good and I guess it's quite fun. You can like rent a Jeep and like drive around. You can go into the jungle. You can like go and explore. There's like incredible beaches, cenotes, forests, jungles, etc, etc. That, I mean, we went up to the coast and I've never seen dolphins just swimming in the ocean. So moments like that are in my top five moments of my life. So there are some things that are so beautiful but I feel like you need to often leave Tulum to go and find them and to go into like I don't want to say real Mexico but you know out into Mexico um, and out of kind of like the touristy more like party party holiday um, place. 
it is amazing to be in a different culture. I do appreciate that. And I've spent a lot of time in different cultures, living in different cities. But I think the flip side of being in a different culture is that I don't speak Spanish. Now, I cannot tell you how many people have told me like, bitch, you've just got to learn Spanish. I get that I need to learn Spanish. And I do think it is quite disrespectful if you sort of go to a place, a local place as a non-local and you kind of refuse to learn the language. It's kind of disrespectful. And like you in some way think you're superior or you don't need to learn the language because you're English and that is oh my god I keep hitting the microphone over and that is 100% not the attitude that I'm going in there with I think the problem for me is more that like I really 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 don't have very much spare time and I run two full-time businesses the podcast I spend so much time on and then I run an entire business like day job to actually make money to live and survive and fund the podcast and stuff And then on top of that, there's like trying to respect and adore and worship and build my relationship, as well as also trying to look after myself, go to the gym, because in Tulum, you do not walk anywhere. Like in London, I walk all the time and I feel like I just sometimes don't need to go to the gym because I'll the dog or I'll just be walking around. But in Tulum, you do not walk anywhere. Like my boyfriend once told me, you can walk anywhere, but you just need to be ready to run. And I was like, what? But yeah, so that's just like, Sometimes there's just not a lot of time or spare time for me to go to Spanish lessons. And I do know that I need to prioritize it. But I think that this is one of the reasons that I've struggled in Tulum is that my boyfriend is Mexican and a lot of his friends are either Mexican or French. And what happens is that you can be out for a drink or for dinner and stuff like that. And everyone's really kind and respectful and they like talk in English for me which is just uh, people that speak multiple languages is honestly like so incredible I swear my boyfriend speaks five languages which I honestly think is crazy but yeah so sometimes though people will like go back into their conversations and they'll be talking in French or in Spanish and then I will just be like sat there and I genuinely won't know what anyone is saying and it's actually quite funny because sometimes I'm like "Mm mm-hmm like nodding along and I haven't got a fucking clue what they are talking about so yeah that side of the culture is difficult. And I definitely think that that has added to me feeling like lonely and on the outside. And I'm going to talk about this later in the episode because it was kind of something that maybe was exacerbated when I came back to London. Like I felt like I was on the outside of Tulum and then I felt like I was on the outside of London when I came back. And I think that it actually just ties back to a feeling from childhood. So there's definitely some things I think about being out there that are quite triggering for me. And I feel quite lonely um I do spend a lot of time on my own like a lot of time on my own just kind of pootering around on my moped working all the time etc etc okay so what else is coming up about my experience in Tulum I don't know if it's fair to say like the police in Mexico or if it's like the police particularly in Tulum or Quintana Roo, which is the state. But the police are scary. You have the police, you have the army, you have the Marines, and then you have the National Guards. And maybe there's something else. But when I say that these people drive around on these huge trucks and they stand on the top of it with a sniper and AK-47s across their body, I am not being dramatic. You can just like be at the traffic lights like red light on your little moped and you look up to the side and there are four 
sexy, admittedly, but four men just like staring at you with these fucking massive AK-47s. And I like wave at them. They obviously don't wave back because like pretty sure that's in your protocol, like do not take your hands off the gun. So then I'm just awkwardly waving and no one is waving back at me. But yeah, that can be scary. And I think another thing is scary is like you can get pulled over by the police. There's a lot of getting pulled over and then you have to basically pay the police off it's like a thing like you pay the police off and I don't speak Spanish and I'm going to cry if you pull me over so yeah sometimes when I'm doing the 20 minutes drive to the beach like I don't feel great when I see a police blockade and I'm like (laughs) so yeah that isn't great I don't feel totally safe there in that regard actually this is quite funny story I got pulled over for a ticket in this place I forgot the name of it maybe buy a delete on the way back from like a holiday with my boyfriend now I basically ran a red light and nearly smashed into a coach it was 100% my fault I looked the wrong way which is like so dangerous thank god I was in a massive jeep so I was like more likely to survive than not the coach didn't hit me everything was fine we kept driving obviously I had like so much adrenaline pumping through me and then I hear the sirens and the blue lights and I'm like oh my fucking god I am going to jail anyway so we get pulled over what's even more awkward is I'm wearing this like barbie pink basically thong bikini because we've been driving for like seven hours with the roof open so I was like maximum tanning you know so yeah get pulled over and they're talking in Mexican I don't understand what they are saying then they make me get out of the vehicle and I'm like oh my god and I have to take a picture and I like do a thumbs up oh my god it was so awkward anyway my boyfriend dealt with the whole thing apparently they call me blondie out there they call me like guerra And I'm also like, babe, I'm actually not blonde. So I feel like the nickname doesn't really work. He was like, look, like you're making Blondie cry, like all this stuff. And I'm just sat there like crying. Yeah. So that was obviously very valid. Like I deserve to be pulled over and I deserve to pay a ticket, which like, I don't know, he paid it for me and went into the police station and I just like stayed outside crying on my own. But yeah, like, you know, it's, it's a bit scary there, which again is fully on me because I don't speak the language. And when I'm with my boyfriend, I don't feel like that. But when I'm on my own, which is a lot of the time, I don't feel like 100% safe. Now that brings me to my next point, very conveniently about being on my own a lot of the time. So I think one thing about Tulum is that I often feel quite lonely. Now, I honestly find this one like really weird because people say, oh, but you make friends anywhere you go. And it's true. Every city I've ever lived in, I've made friends. I can make friends with a lamppost, literally. Bad analogy, but you get my drift. So yeah, I just feel like I haven't really found my people in Tulum, if any. I literally have like three friends there, which is crazy. Now I've been thinking long and hard about this and trying to work out if this is on me and if this is my fault for like not putting myself in the right situations. And the truth is, I think I potentially could have done more to meet new people, but I work so much that often I'm just like at home all the time and then I'm with my boyfriend. But the other thing is that within the local community, I feel like there's community subgroups and I don't really fit into those, if that makes sense. The first one is your spiritual shaman. Now I say this with no disrespect to anyone that is a spiritual shaman. I have a deep respect for consciousness, healing practices, working with people on your healing journey. And I have done that for many, many years with specific people. But the thing is, is that there's a lot of like everyone identifies as high priestesses and It's just like an identity that I don't 
relate to and, you know, this whole sacred sisterhood and I think that's beautiful and I think it's amazing that they have their soul family and they have their friends and to some extent I'm really jealous of that because community is so, so important but I don't think that I fit into those spiritual community groups and like even when I'm in London I feel like my spirituality is like a very one-on-one practice like my friends in London like they are not part of it at all like some of them will listen to me talk about it some of them will be like what the fuck are you talking about I've also had some very bad experiences now anyone that follows me or that followed me in March of last year you will remember that I went through a very traumatic experience that I didn't really share but I was like really fucked up about it and I definitely think that after that did happen it changed my relationship with Tulum and this was in like month one or two of being there so I think I've been on the back foot from the get-go and the short version of what happened is I met a woman at a very high level hotel that claimed to be not a shaman like a like an intuitive or something this woman basically spiritually abused me and she claimed that she was channeling stuff for me It was so fucked up and I'm not even going to share some of the stuff that she told me because it will be triggering for other people. But like when I say that she told me that like the worst stuff that could have ever have happened to me happened to me as a child and that the people closest to me did the most awful stuff to me and all these things about my business and when I'm going to die and like it was honestly so horrendous and she had me trying to call my father to get him to give me money. It was horrendous and I fully went into freeze mode, which is something I'm going to be talking a lot more about on the podcast this year as well. Is like, And if anyone's following the Idaho murders, God, don't get me started on that. But like a lot of people have been saying the surviving roommate like that didn't call the police, like there's something up with her. And I'm like, yeah, there is like there probably is. But if you haven't gone through a major trauma, you will like never understand what it's like to actually go into freeze mode where your whole body just like stops and you cannot move. And I experienced that. So that took like a very long well I was gonna say a long time to recover from but just I didn't recover from it I just like ignored it and got on with my life and I think that deep down that probably has just like added to my level of like feeling a bit unsafe and like scared to open up to people particularly in the spiritual communities so yeah after that the whole spiritual thing I was like fuck you fuck Tulum fuck this whole bullshit fuck you all making money off poor people not poor like money but like poor emotionally people that like are looking for help and guidance like it's so abusive and I just don't trust anyone get away from me so obviously that put me on the back foot which made me not want to be a part of any of these spiritual communities whatsoever okay and then the other side of things that I say that most people make friends and socialize and deepen their connections into them is through the party scene like there is a huge huge party scene but it is like music that I'm not into there's a lot of techno there's huge festivals there's drugs there's like peyote which is plant medicine and I also hate techno techno for me is my worst nightmare I actually went to this one party where it sounded like the Pied Piper was playing a flute on repeat it was like and I was just looking around and everyone was like dancing together and I was like this is the Pied Piper playing a flute and I just couldn't get over it couldn't dance to it couldn't enjoy it So yeah, the party vibe is also not for me, which means that I feel like I haven't found my people in Tulum. 
now I'm open to it. I'm not going to give up. Like there are some girls that I like there and that I do spend some time with and I'm open to spending more time with them and making new friends, maybe their friends. And I think there's a spinning studio opening, which I'm very up for because like that's how I've made so many friends in my lifetime. So yeah, I'm going to stay open to it when I go back and really like, you know, stay open to making new friends. Like I like being friends with people. Like I want to make friends there. I want to love to learn. Like I want to be happy and have my own life and flourish out there rather than like waiting for my boyfriend to come home every day. Cause that is like, so not me, the girlfriend that waits for her boyfriend to come home. Like what the fuck? That is so not me. But yeah. So I think that, you know, it's been difficult. I'm missing like my Pilates girls, my business girls, my podcast girls, like my girls with the dogs that want to walk their dog and then go and have coffee, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, this is why I almost didn't record this episode because I feel like I've spent 25 minutes being negative. But the truth is, is that I'm not being negative. I'm just sharing the truth of my reality because I cannot tell you how many people say to me, oh my God, you live in paradise. Oh my God, you live the dream. Oh my God, you're so lucky. And this is something that I've experienced my whole life is that people from the outside see 5% of the story, but never actually see what's going on on the inside and like the emotions and stuff like that. So just a huge part of Open House, I think, is sharing the truth. So I appreciate the fact that you have given me your time to listen to me sharing my truth. I just never want anyone to think that I'm super happy and life is easy and, you know, everything's amazing because we're all in this together and we all have shit going on that we can't see from Instagram. Talking of Pilates, I have been doing at-home Pilates in London because I'm at my parents' house, so I'm not in London. There's not like lots of studios around me. And I've been doing it with my friend, Lauren. She is amazing. Her Pilates is literally incredible. I just do the Friday and Monday lunchtime classes, 30 minutes with those Bala weighted ankle weight things. Oh my God, I wake up the next day with proper doms. Ah, this probably brings me to the slower season of life point, right? Okay, so I've spoken about my experience in Tulum and now I'm going to share like why I came back to London, what it's like being back in London and all of that jazz. Okay, I've come back to London. I came back to London for Christmas. Now, the first few weeks were amazing, being back with my doggy that I just miss so much and like hate me at me all you want but like we sleep in a bed together like I wake up and she's got her little head on me like on my chest like oh it's honestly just adorable being back with her has been amazing being back with my parents has been amazing um I pause because maybe I'm not saying that with 100% conviction but I came back for my brother's birthday and then for Christmas so that was great I felt so happy to be back I went straight to London I saw people I felt so much love and gratitude like being back with my parents and in a warm house and just in the family unit and being able to walk the dog, be with the dog, be on the same time zone as everyone. Like initially I just felt so happy to be back, like warm and loved and just like that warmth that I think I'd been missing. But I guess the problem is, is that I actually don't have a, a house in London or a flat in London anymore. So kind of this vision I had of like being in London, seeing everyone, going to the gym, going shopping, going to Selfridges, like just grabbing coffee actually wasn't possible because I was like 30 to 60 minutes away from London and I had to like come up and organize to stay like with my brother or like with a friend etc etc so I kind of then after a couple of weeks sort of started to shift into this period where 
being at home and like getting on top of my parents in their space was quite difficult. And then I felt like I kind of also didn't really belong in London because my apartment had gone and my home has gone. And then I also felt like I didn't belong in Tulum. So yeah, that's been, that's been kind of difficult is sort of questioning like, oh my God, well, where do I fit in if I don't actually fit in in any of these places? And I think that as human beings, we inherently hate being on the outside. It's like when you tie back to caveman days that like being on the outside of the pack equals rejection, which equals like literally death. So I think it's like wired into our nervous systems to belong. And so I think I've kind of, I'm in this stage of life where I actually like don't belong anywhere. And I think it's triggered a lot of issues, I would say, or like experiences from childhood, which I've been going through in therapy. And it's kind of been making me realize that, oh, I actually felt lonely when I was a kid because like I would always just go to my bedroom and be on the outside of the family unit, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, I think that, you know, we we big things up in our head and we get so, so excited about them. And I think the re- reality is, is that sometimes the reality is different. Now, don't get me wrong. I have had such an amazing time and being back has made me realize like who my best friends are. I've seen some of my friends like so much, like every time we've been able to see each other, we've taken the opportunity and that's made me feel like loved and cherished. But the truth is, is that there's other friends who have like either been on holiday or they're busy or they're with their boyfriends that sometimes I'm like, oh my God, like how have I been back and I haven't seen you enough and I just wish I could see them more. And the truth is, is that life is so fucking busy for everyone. Like life goes on. We are all just like spinning 100 plates at once and we're all just trying to get through and handle whatever life is throwing at us at that point in time. So I'm not like getting upset by anything. I just, you know, I think I'm just sensitive because I'm like, oh my God, I'm leaving soon and then I'm going to miss you guys. And then, you know, kind of living between different places is a bit like, uh So yeah, I definitely am in this weird place in identity, which is kind of not what I had down for this year. Because I think, you know, like I said, when I got when I got my dog, I was like ready to like settle down, settle in. I think I was just ready to start putting my roots down somewhere. And I'm kind of like, oh, I, my roots are not down. There are no roots. I have no roots, which is both exhilarating and amazing and also kind of disconcerting at the same time. But I think it's really, really important to pull out the positives as well. And I think one massive positive from my time here is that being out in the countryside at my parents' house rather than in the city means I am really moving into this like slower pace of life, which I mentioned earlier in the episode. And I think that it's just been really beautiful for me. Like I've never been able to actually slow down. And now I find like almost every morning I'm like walking in the forest with my dog because she is my priority. And I understand that by walking her and getting me outside, that that's really good for me and for my vitamin D and to just breathe in all that amazing oxygenated air to get some steps in, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, I definitely think that one thing that, you know, they they say that Tulum teaches you whatever lesson you need to learn. And I think that one of my lessons that Tulum might have been trying to teach me is to thrive there. You really need to learn to slow down and to in inverted commas, escape the matrix where the way that I probably function is it doesn't work so well in Tulum. You know, everyone's a lot more relaxed and they flow and they trust and they really surrender, which are things that I have never, ever, ever done in my whole entire life. So I think it makes sense that I've had a challenging time in Tulum because they very much say like Tulum teaches you what you need to know. And I do believe that wholeheartedly. 
And I think when I got dengue fever and I was like, you know, lying there super sick, like thinking about work, I did have a wake up call where I was like, okay, I really want to break these cycles and I don't know how to. And I would say that I'm actually kind of somehow breaking them without really meaning to, which is a weird way to put it. But yeah, I think that I've been in my masculine for so long and being out in the countryside is kind of helping me to slow down physically. So I am 100% that girl that has never had a morning routine. Like from the second I wake up, it's like, get up, pick my phone up, like cortisol pumping, like, oh my God, what have I got to do today? Up, shower, coffee, go. And I would say that actually the last few weeks, I've really spent some time like focusing on just putting a bit more of a kind, respectful morning routine in place. And I think that I've been able to do that because I'm like on my own. Like my parents aren't in the house anymore. They've gone to South Africa. So I am here. My boyfriend isn't here, sadly. Like I wish that he was, but I'm also not in London. I'm not rushing out the door, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, it's been really amazing to actually be able to start to put in place some kind of more self-considerate morning routines. So the first thing that I do when I wake up is I try not to scroll. I get up straight away. And I take the dog out instantly because I've been reading about how getting sunlight or daylight or whatever the light's called on your eyeballs, retina, whatever it's called, within the first 30 minutes or something. Again, not advice here because as you can tell, I don't really know what I'm talking about. But basically, it's good for you and it does something to your circadian rhythm and sets something off in the body and it's good for your mental health, et cetera, et cetera. So I've been doing that and it feels good to have to just get up and get out. So there is like no lying around. Then I come in and I'm switching my first coffee of the day because I am a coffee whore. My first coffee of the day for a tea. So I go for a green tea with like jasmine or mint or whatever. So that because I've been learning about how you should not have coffee for your hormones before you eat a meal. Now, guys, none of this is advice. This is just what I am learning. And I've literally spent 12 years drinking like three coffees before I even get to breakfast. And I mean, when I was 20, I'd have like a coffee and a fag at the same time. So please, please do not listen to this thinking like, oh gosh, you're so annoying. Like truly, I have had the worst morning routine of all time up until like five years ago. What could be a worse morning routine than an espresso and a cigarette? And then getting on a spinning bike. Like, Jesus Christ, this is literally why I run this podcast, because I feel like we just need to bring a bit of reality to these messy, messy lives that we are all living. Um, Okay, so no coffee straight away. And that's difficult, don't get me wrong. I need it in my veins at that point. But I'm like, okay, just have this green tea. Just have the green tea and everything's going to be okay. You can have your crack cocaine coffee in literally 20 minutes. Okay, so next up, breakfast. Now, I'm very, very bad historically eating breakfast as well because when you have had three espressos, two cigarettes and 45 minutes on a spinning bike, can guarantee you that your body is not focusing on eating at that point. It's probably focusing on surviving. So yeah, historically, I've been like, oh, I'm not hungry. Oh, I'm intermittently fasting. Like, I don't have an appetite. What Sarah, the potent plant, has taught me is that if you don't have an appetite in the morning, often if your stress levels are too high, your cortisol levels, it suppresses your appetite and then you're not hungry. So there are like a million girls out there saying like, oh yeah, I'm intermittent fasting because I'm not hungry. But the truth is, is that that's actually not good for your birthday. For your birthday? For your birthday? For your body. It's also not good for your birthday. On your birthday, you should eat whatever you want. So yeah, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I do intuitive eating and that I 
ask my body what it feels like for breakfast this morning. Because the truth is, it doesn't fucking want to eat anything. It wants a coffee and it wants to open my laptop and get to work. But slower season of life, like I said, I now know that it's really important to eat something. So I will actually cook as like a kind of like, oh, you deserve this kind of thing. Um, so yeah, I've been doing like, I will actually cook scrambled eggs with a bit of sourdough or roasted tomatoes or avocado on toast with like feta and some seeds or yogurt and fruit, et cetera, et cetera. So I will try and eat within like 30 to 45 minutes of waking up if possible as well. I do find it difficult, but I'm trying. Then I will go upstairs, have my morning shower. And at the end, I will turn my shower to freezing effing cold. And when I say that, like, I don't know, I don't know why this is, but it is the coldest thing I have ever experienced. I would actually like someone to bring me a thermometer so I can put it under the water and confirm the temperature because it is not normal how cold it is. So I try and do like a minute, a minute and a half in the shower, like front and back. Oh my God. When I turn around and do my back, I will squeal like a little piglet. It is horrendous. But when I get out, oh my God, you feel so alive. Like I swear that cold showers could single-handedly cure you daily from depression just by creating such a kick of neurotransmitters within the body as well as like norepinephrine and dopamine and it literally makes you feel alive because cold water therapy has been scientifically proven to increase dopamine in the body by 250 percent after cold exposure and it can increase levels of norepinephrine by 530% and it's also been shown to be so anti-inflammatory it can help with depression it can help with anxiety but most of all I am blown away by that 250% increase in dopamine because we're all out here getting our dopamine from toxic men toxic women chasing fuckboys and scrolling on TikTok but I highly doubt it's giving us 250% from a healthy hit. Swear cold water therapy should be prescribed before any antidepressants are prescribed. Now that is a very bold statement, but I truly think that cold water therapy can change your biology so dramatically and make you feel so amazing that I cannot wait for more people to try it. And if you are into it already, you should check out my client Monk. They do or they have created the first ever at-home smart ice bath, which is so frigging cool. You can change the temperature. It's so sexy. It's absolutely amazing. So yeah, if you don't have a shower that goes cold, like my old apartment in London, I literally couldn't even get cold water, let alone like freezing water. So if you aren't able to do that, you can look into getting one of them. But honestly, for me at my parents' house, cold showers do the job because it is so cold. But then I get out and at this point, all I want to do is get dressed, go and have a coffee and get on with my day. But I make myself lie on the bed in my dressing gown and I commit to literally doing just two minutes of breath work. And I do this like Wim Hof thing. It's like a 15 minute recording. It's on Spotify. I'll put it in the notes. And there's four rounds that he does, like four rounds of breathing and you wait, you hold, you like do whatever in between the rounds. And you basically go off to outer space and it's like the best thing ever and it's so good. And sometimes I don't even do the whole four rounds. I don't know if it's like my ADHD brain or just that I am not used to doing that much of it yet. But yeah, I just commit to at least doing one or two rounds of it. Sometimes I'll like do another one because once you actually do it, 
it's a lot easier. And honestly, the breath holds are like so special. And yeah, so I do the cold water and then I do a little bit of breath work. The breath work makes you feel so alive and the shower made you feel so alive. So together, I guarantee that you will feel like a different person to the one that you woke up as. And not only that, you'll actually feel like, oh my God, like, wow. Now, there is enough science for us to all know that we should all be meditating, right? We know that scientifically proven meditation is incredibly good for the brain, for the nervous system. But you might be like me and find it really difficult to actually do it. Now, I honestly feel like this is the hack that once you've done the cold water shower and once you've done the breath work, your body is in a state that you are basically already meditating because you are out like a light in theta waves fully relaxed on the bed in your dirty dressing gown. And so what I do is I will just spend some time, however long it is, maybe it's 30 seconds, maybe it's three minutes, maybe it's longer, just being, being calm and just feeling into my body. And the episode that came out on Monday with Angie, we were talking about embodiment and how many of us are not in our bodies. Like we never spend any time like being in our bodies. So I do this and I also think that This is when, if you are into manifestation, I personally, from all of my learnings and teachings that I've done with spiritual teachers, have understood that the only way to truly manifest is to truly lean in, in this theta wave stage, into what the feeling of the thing that you want coming to life feels like. Like you have to feel like it's already happened. And I am not big into manifesting. I think it has been so butchered by new era spirituality that it's not something that I talk about. But I do think that in those moments, if there's something that I really want, I will focus on it and I will feel into it. And I will also just hold space, just being and feeling and like being in my body, which honestly is incredibly foreign because like if you're anything like me and you're so busy in today's life, you will never just be or feel in your body. And then I'll also just sort of see if in that period of meditative like state or in that period of meditation, if any messages come through. I do think that I often will get like visions or I will have things come up that I need to like kind of connect the dots between. And I'm not saying that I ever really come out of the meditation being like, yeah, I have to do that. Like if anything, I find that I come out of them with like things have happened and I'm trying to decipher them. Like last week, my meditation showed a goat that had been sacrificed and was bleeding. So if anyone's good at deciphering what comes up in meditation symbolically, please let me know because yeah, I feel like I'm either sacrificing something or I'm going to have to sacrifice something. Neither of them feel great. No one likes to sacrifice. No one really likes a goat dying in their meditations. But yeah, my boyfriend's been teaching me not to like read into everything so literally. But yeah, I just feel like I know that even five minutes of meditation a day is incredible for you physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. And I find it so hard to do it that I feel like I've hacked it. And then I'm up and I really like put something on that makes me feel good. I've bought some stuff recently that just like fits really well and I like feel good in it. And then the very final thing I do before I go and walk the dog. So basically this is the end part of my morning routine is that I take one supplement. 
Now, I've taken 101 supplements over the years, but honestly, I take nothing these days and I have boxes and boxes of stuff and it drives my mum insane. She is like, you are literally nuts. Like, please do something about this, like boxes everywhere of stuff. Um, And the reason that I don't take them is because honestly, I don't think I need them. And I've also started to learn how much like you should just really be getting from like a healthy diet versus like supplementing fake and synthetic versions of things. And also if you don't have enough stomach acid, often your body won't absorb them. And if your body has a leaky gut, it will often leak them. And, you know, if you aren't 100% sure of the quality of what you're taking, so many off the shelf things are just full of fillers, gums, ingredients that shouldn't be combined together. Like the other day, I sent a very well-known company's new probiotic to Sarah and she was like, I just don't understand why they've put this in it. You know, this, when it combines with this is actually really, really bad for this. And they're claiming that it's a mental health probiotic, but this and this actually do the opposite of that. And I was like, wow, like you literally can't even trust businesses really that just because it's out there on the shelves, it means that it's good for you. So yeah, Sarah's taught me so much. And now I only really take products that I really, 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 really understand the truth about rather than just like chugging down supplements, hoping for the best. But last year, I spent nine months creating and launching a brand called 22 for a friend of mine that I've known since I was like 21. I used to date his friend. And during that process of working with them, because that's my day job, like creating and launching brands, I firsthand started to learn about mushrooms and the incredible power that mushrooms, both psychedelic and non-psychedelic, hold for mental health. Now, their first product is a lion's mane mushroom and that's non-psychedelic. So it's like you don't feel anything, it doesn't do anything to you, but it reduces inflammation in the brain and the body and it's been scientifically proven to do that. It's been scientifically proven to improve gut health and your gut and your brain are directly connected through your gut-brain axis and gut-brain connection. It's also been proven scientifically to reduce symptoms of mental health disorders like anxiety and depression because these mushrooms are packed full of something called beta-glucans and also just so high in antioxidants. And one of the studies showed that, um, I think they did it on mice, and they basically concluded in this PubMed science journal that lion's mane may constitute a strong alternative therapy for depression. So I'll link that study in the notes. But on top of that, the compounds found in the mycelium and the fruiting body of these mushrooms, and they are amazing. Like the guys send me these photos of them growing them. And they are these like huge, white, incredible mushrooms. Like it's so, so fascinating. But yeah, they've been found to promote the growth of new neurons in the brain. Like they literally can regrow back neurons, which is so incredible. So yeah, you've probably heard that mushrooms are going to be taking over in the next few years. And I just think it's always so hard to know who to trust. And I personally trust these guys implicitly. Um, Their tagline, which I came up with, is making medicinal mushrooms clean, green and mainstream. And yeah, so if you want to check the brand out, I'll link them in the show notes. And I've got a 20% discount for you guys. This isn't an ad. I just genuinely, it's part of my morning routine and thought I'd share it with you. And I wanted to get you a discount because I think so many people listening to this podcast do struggle with anxiety or depression. And this brand is incredible. They are one of the only organic brands in the UK. No filler, no pesticides, no GMO. Everything's hot water extracted. 
They're also super strength. So there's 1,800 milligrams in every two capsules, which is so much stronger than anything out there on the market. They're 100% pure, UK grown. They're just amazing. I trust these guys implicitly. And um, yeah, again, remember, they're not magic mushrooms. They're not psychedelic. You won't feel anything by taking them. But I think that they are going to be the mental health mushroom of the future. I really think we are going to see this being so normal in the next few years. And this is also my day job is like getting on the trends before they happen. So anything I work on usually is at the forefront of wellness. So I think the cold water therapy client and the mushroom client are two of those examples. So I think they can fit perfectly into your morning routine. So that's the final thing. I take that tablet, take it with some water, ideally filtered water, and then I go and walk the dog. And I'm in nature and I'm just like appreciating nature and being in the forest. And yeah, it's just like, it's like a type of life that I've never had or been able to experience before. And so it's kind of foreign. Like initially I would like dread going to walk the dog because it's like an hour and 15 minutes walking around a forest. And now I'm just kind of like learning to enjoy it. And it feels like if I think of having a day where I don't do that, where I just get up, and sit at my laptop for 12 hours, like 8am to 8pm, that feels like unnatural and unhealthy. And it's kind of crazy because that's what my whole life has been. So yeah, the combination of like the dog has been incredible for my mental health because she gets me outside literally every two hours. But also the combination of being in the countryside, I think is really good for me. And I'm just loving nature. Like even though Tulum is on the beach, where I live is like basically construction sites. So it's like they've torn the jungle down, they've torn the greenery down and they've like filled it with concrete. So it's just so beautiful to like be in nature. So yeah, this slower season of life incorporates that. But what I've learned is it's just about adding things in really, really slowly. And I'm really interested in learning a little bit more around like cycle syncing and respecting your period and understanding that in different phases of like the moon and your period cycle, you're supposed to do different things. And I'm going to get someone on the podcast to talk about that another time. I don't know enough about it. So I'm not the one to tell you more about it. But yeah, I just wanted to share these things that I've been doing because I think it's so effing annoying when people like share their perfect morning routine. And the truth is, is my whole life, I've been the girl that never had a morning routine. And I would get up and every day it would just be like, I would jump right into life. And the stress hormones would just be pumping from the second that I'd woken up, even if I wasn't stressed, you know, with the coffee and like not eating, like your body is stressed. So yeah, I'm proud of myself. And it's just, something that I have to actively commit to trying to keep up. And I hope that maybe someone has taken some value from this. Okay, so how else has it been being back in London? Obviously, being in a long distance relationship isn't the best thing ever, but we handle it very, very well and very easily. And it's just like incredibly easy and stable and lovely. And he's always there for me if I need him. So yeah, we, we find it easy, but obviously it's not great. Like we will have been apart for nearly three months in two weeks time, which is such a long time. But yeah, the rest of my time in London has been good it's been amazing to see friends and also some really exciting stuff is happening on the podcast. So yeah, I have been having some very, very exciting meetings up in London when I've been up. So it's kind of been this like crazy, crazy kind of trips to London with seeing people and meetings and then coming back down and, and just actually doing the work that I have to do. So yeah, 
it has been very busy and things with the podcast, I think, are going to be exciting this year. So let me tell you a little bit about that because I'm normally just so busy making the podcast happen that I never tell you about what's going on behind the podcast. So as you guys know, I have been doing this now for like two and a half years, maybe. And where we are with the numbers now, like we're kind of coming up for about 150,000 downloads a month each month, which is incredible. And I cannot thank you enough for listening. Like you guys always message me saying thank you, but honestly, I can't thank you enough for listening. So thank you. But yeah, there have been some very exciting discussions. The first thing is that we are going to launch a Patreon and I am so frigging excited for this. Now, the reason that we are going to do this is because we have so much we want to share with you. But with 52 weeks in a year, 52 episodes is not a lot, especially if you split that over Terry, Massimo, any guests that come on and my life updates, which I'm not very good at doing. So yeah, it just got to the point where people would message me questions and be like, please, can you do this? And then news articles would come out and I I would be like, oh my God, I really want to do that. But there was just not enough time to do everything. And then the, the production costs kind of spiral the more episodes you do. And I just was in this frustrating position where I was like, I want this to be my full-time job. This is my life purpose. It's been the most healing, epic, life-changing venture of my life. Like meeting you guys, connecting with you, sharing our experiences with no shame, no judgment. Like no one could message me something that I would think was too weird or anything. Like it has just been so healing for me. Yeah. So it just became very clear that the more and more discussions I had with people and business advisors that was that the next step is going to be a Patreon and it's going to have so much content in there. I think it's probably going to be an extra two long form bonus episodes from me and Terry. Then there'll be bonus hotline submissions and then there will be a life update from me. And then maybe we'll have like some guest bonus questions in there, plus all the video of all of these episodes and follow on episodes from the episodes that come out on Monday because we always want to go deeper, but we're always time limited. So it's just going to be perfect if you want to go deeper into what we're talking on the, about on the podcast and actually do self-reflective exercises and just understand more, as well as just getting a ton of content that's not on the main podcast, as well as getting your questions answered by the therapist. Like if you're in the Patreon, you will get your hotline submission answered because right now we have a backlog. There's like 55 hotline submissions that we're trying to get through and that's there's only 52 weeks in a year so yeah this is perfect it's going to be great and it's going to be the perfect solution and it's going to be really low cost I mean it's going to be like four dollars a month so I am excited and it feels really right and as soon as I know more about that I will let you guys know there's going to be some huge things that you can win if you sign up in the first month. I'm talking to Lilo who have said that they might give $3,000 of sex toys and a couple of other amazing brands. So yeah, there's going to be uh, an incentive to come and get in on the Patreon when we launch it, which is going to be so fun. And I will be sure to keep you guys updated. But yeah, you are the first people that I'm sharing this news with. And I feel like I feel like it's the next steps and I'm nervous and I'm excited, but most of all, I can't wait to do this with you guys. Another thing that has been happening in the background is that I have been approached by a couple of management agencies for the podcast who are massive. And one of them represents Call Her Daddy, M. Rata, Brene Brown, Esther Perel. And I'm not getting my hopes up, but like, could you imagine if they helped the podcast? 
Oh my goodness. So yeah, work is good. I'm also busy on my day job, which obviously I need to do to survive. And I'm working with a new hotel group in London, creating them a new wellness concept to go into 3000 square foot of wellness space. The next few months are going to be very, very busy between creating all the content for the Patreon, getting it off the ground, doing my day job, and just generally trying to live this slower season of life at the same time. I've just realized how counterintuitive that is. But I think that's actually when it's most important is like when we are so busy is to have like a little bit of structure because I, more than anyone, literally will be the first person to go on a landslide in fact I actually have a packet of cheese and onion crisps next to me right now so I uh haven't got my shit together totally but uh I'm on I'm on route there okay so let's wrap this up because you have been here listening to me for a long while and if you have been I love you we're basically best friends at this point because you know everything about my life so am I going back to Tulum yes I'm gonna go back in March now all of the apartments that I was trying to get kept falling through and I genuinely was like oh my god is this a sign that I shouldn't go back there? And if so, that is very stressful for me because my boyfriend is there and like, what do I do? I can't be in London. I have to go back. But the same apartment two floors below has now become available. So I feel like that's probably going to be the apartment I'm going to take. I'm a little bit apprehensive because of all the things that I've told you here, but I'm just going to commit to going back really positively really grateful being with my boyfriend trying to lean in rather than like push away so yes I am going back to Tulum and I don't know when I'm going to be back to London again but I'm hoping I might be able to come back and forth because my sister-in-law is now working with British Airways she's a pilot she's the most fucking badass female boss babe pilot you will ever meet as well as being the most amazing person ever and yeah she's put me on her staff travel so Hopefully I can sort of pop back and forward a bit, which is amazing because getting sort of not stuck, but being 12, a 12 hour flight away, plus like the travel either side is a lot. It's like a 20 hour round trip. So yeah, I'm very grateful for her helping me with that. And I think the flights will be like way cheaper. So if I need to come back, I will because, oh my goodness. Okay. I think I have to go because my dog is growling, which generally means she either needs to wee or poo or play. So there's like a 66% chance that my kitchen floor might lose this battle. So I'm actually just going to wrap this up right now. But in summary, yes, I've been in London. Yes, I've been enjoying being back. Yes, it's been quite difficult. Yes, I felt like a bit of a spare part sometimes. Yes, I'm going back. Yes, things are exciting with work. Yes, I'm as busy as usual, but I am trying to lean into this slower season of life, trying to be a little kinder to my body, trying to be a little gentler with my body, trying to stave off the morning depression and actually honestly works. Like I have felt good the last week and a half when I've been doing this and honestly if you don't feel great I would just advise you to just put in this tiny routine that I just told you about and honestly get back to me but yes all is okay with me I am doing okay final thing from me I'm thinking about doing an Instagram break because sometimes I find myself just looking at Instagram and realizing like everyone else has their shit together and I don't so I'm thinking about doing an IG break But what I'm going to do is stay on it in the house, which is our community group full of the most amazing human beings ever. I'm going to link the access to the house actually in the show notes. Anyway, that is all from me. I love you. I love you. I love you. Honestly, I'm so grateful. If you have listened to this, like 45 minutes of me just chatting shit to myself, talking about my life, then truly you are a real one and I love you. Goodbye.